0: Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person seeking resiliency in uncertain times. I mean, there's just so much going on right now, right? And it feels stressful, daunting, and even hopeless. Um, And so today's show is not going to be about building hope it's about building resilience. Um later in the program we're going to be talking with John Evans assistant director at Hennepin County Environmental and Energy Department. Um you know, what if what if net zero became part of our building codes? What can we really do in Hennepin County and here in Minnesota? to face the climate crisis in a very resilient and, um, and just way. Um, and we're also going to be talking on this show with Michael Cheney with Project Sweetie Pie. And I went to an awesome high-energy event, the Green Dawn, Greening the Green Movement in North Minneapolis, and a, a call for awakening the consciousness of the Green Dawn. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to talking to Michael Cheney in the program again. Uh, joining us right now is Rob uh, Cernick. And uh, Rob, um, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Well, hey, Laura, thanks
1: for having me. Um, yeah. I'm a permaculturist, and urban farmer, and I'm talking to you as the uh, outreach director for Jack's uh, Hardware and Farm Supply over on Franklin Avenue in south Minneapolis.
0: And so uh, this month, you've got some great classes coming up, uh, garden planning for urban laws, chickens for uh, how, to, how to do chickens, seed starting, and even a black backyard dye garden.
1: Yeah, we've got all kinds of great stuff. You know, last year, uh, the Ace Wellna over here got uh, new owners, um, Justin Wells, who actually – Uh, We were talking a little bit before we went on the air, but you and I and him all kind of have a pedigree together in uh, the PRI Urban Farming Program. So actually, this is 10 years ago that I did my certification. I think you and Justin, I know I was in the same course with Justin. I believe you were, too. Uh, And here we are 10 years later, Justin and his partner, Nancy, have opened uh, the old Ace and turned into Jack's hardware and farm supply. And one of the big things that we want to do is provide education and help build that resiliency with our neighbors by providing resources, not only in the form of really great products, uh, local or organic uh, companies that we're trying to partner with, but also offering classes like you were saying. So we've got some really, really cool ones coming up A big one for us, we're going to actually offer chicken certifications starting uh, the weekend of March 16th. We're going to have a um, class you could come in, and I'm actually going to do the presentation of that in my capacity with my old uh, chicken business. And we're going to offer that again in April and in May uh, for folks to come in that are interested in keeping chickens. Uh, We're calling it Poultry for the Chicken Curious. We've also got some uh, a really cool one coming up on April 20th with myself and Stefan Meyer. And you might know Stefan's name. Uh, mm-hmm. He was one of the founders of Growing Lots, which has been going on for uh, probably 15 years now uh, in various uh, areas here in South Minneapolis. And so him and I are going to do a class about growing uh, mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms and oyster mushrooms on uh, waste wood. So anything you'd possibly find in your yard when you're, You know, doing cleaning or cutting trees down. You mentioned our dye garden one. I'm really excited about that. We're working with some folks. You might be interested in talking to sometime. The Three River Fiber Shed and. They are doing uh, local fiber shed education courses. And so I'm partnering with one of them, uh, Maddie, to talk about uh, how to plant a dye garden. And then later on in the year in June or July, we're actually going to do a hands-on all-day workshop and physically dye stuff using plants and different things we get out of our yards. And then for folks that are a little more interested in um kind of the uh, the di in the diy we're gonna have a couple classes with a good friend of mine britta anderson talking about uh power tools you know how to use power tools power tool safety and then she is an amazing uh, uh woodworker and she's going to give us a lesson later on in the year uh, in april about chainsaw safety so that's really cool because i i don't Feel like I've ever had a chainsaw safety class here in the in the city before, and I know I, do, I know a lot of my neighbors have chainsaws, and I just want to make sure they're well. And using actually, them
0: I just I heard about someone in some storms that happened, they actually got um, injured using their chainsaw incorrectly. You know, they go out there and it was a it hit their foot. I mean, it, it healed or non permanent damage, but that's really an important class. And so, how do people find out more about these classes? And I know there's a fee, but you also have some types of things that people aren't able to pay the fees.
1: Yeah. You know, you can go to our website, jacksfarmsupply.com, backslash events, and we've got a sign-up form there. And, yeah, we have a fee that covers kind of our administrative costs and the cost of our instructors and the, you know, time for doing it. But we don't want to turn anybody away, so we just tell people to, you know, email us. Uh, stop into the store. We'll make sure you can get onto that class. A really important free class, though, that I, I'd like to mention. We're going to be actually offering uh, Narcan and Naloxone trainings wow. in the store. Uh, partnering with the Steve Rumler Foundation. Um, And so we're going to have classes starting March 30th where people could come in for an hour, learn how to use this life-saving opioid overdose reversal drug, and be able to go home uh, with a kit. Um, Our neighborhood over here where we're at, uh, just like a lot of places, we felt the ravishes of – of the opioid crisis, and I think part of you know growing community and b- building resilience in our community is just making sure that we're taking care of some of the most vulnerable amongst us. So we really encourage people that are are um, you know wanting to to be part of this life saving network of of neighbors that have Narcan to uh, check out our classes there too. And like I said, those will be free, and you'll get to take a kit home with you.
0: Wow, that's really powerful, uh, Rob. Um, sir, next so. I want to step back a little bit because I find living in me right now is just a lot of fear and a lot of like, I don't know if we're going to make it out of it. And, and and you know, just so much between Ukraine and the climate report and just, you know, just the functioning every day today. I mean, I how, how are you feeling right now? I mean.
1: Yeah, I, you know it's easy to doom scroll, but I'm actually seeing a lot of I'm watching this stuff in Ukraine actually really feels hopeful watching people come together with their neighbors um, to do this really, you know, intense thing. I think about what happened here a couple summers ago in the the five days, six days of, Um, you know, uh, civil. Um, you know, yeah, the civil uprising. I live right off Lake Street. We were, uh, you know, my house got hit with some of those paint markers. The police were shooting. I I was that close to that for several days, and, you know, it felt scary. And but it also felt really hopeful to come around and spend time with our neighbors and get to know people because. Uh, when it comes down to it, those—that's really who we all have to count on. Um, so I do find a lot of hope in this and and excitement in this. It's, yeah, you know, it is it is easy to kind of feel, and want, but they want you to give up. <laughs> they want you to feel hopeless, and so we need to, you know, it's things like this, Laura, that you're doing that really are going to provide us with some resiliency and some ability to, to weather this. And they, you know, they say it's you don't know how good a cup of tea is until it gets into hot water, right? <laughs> so,
0: in the next second, uh, next segment, I'm going to be talking with Michael Cheney. I went to this awesome event, and and one person said at that event, you know, how do we live with subconscious in subcon? How do we live in our subconscious with love in our hearts, which I think is our natural state. You know, yeah. humans aren't yeah. all that different than dogs and chickens and other beings, right? We're we're just we're just animals trying to function in this world, and so um, I don't. know. Do you have any comment on that?
1: Yeah. I you talking about that. You know, there's a great uh, thing you want to look into is the council of all beings is sort of this uh, ritual that people will do where you, you actually counsel and represent the different, uh, the different parts of the wildness around us. Um, it's easy to live in the city and kind of forget that it's everywhere. And that's, that's why I love to garden, Laura. That's why I love to get my hands dirty and, and get that sort of the best antidepressant is in the compost, right? Is in the soil. Is between your hands, and and that's yeah, exactly I, I, yeah I,
0: I, that growing the future and uh, and and, and, yep. and the mental health benefits of being in the garden yep. and and also having yep. this relationship with the natural world. That climate change yeah. is a it, it, it's a uh, well, what is climate change?
1: Well, you know, nature is always in flux, and I think we could look at it as we can we can say doom and gloom, or we can figure out how we can slow it down. I don't think we can reverse it, but we can definitely learn to adapt, and we can work from the ground up. This is a great opportunity for us to sort of, you know, when you have these vacuums that exist right now in this, you know, multifold kind of crisis that's happening, but you seem, you know, I've seen some really amazing things of mutual aid come together, right? I, I feel so much hope because I, I saw it during the George Floyd stuff, and, and you're seeing it happen in other places. When, when crisis happens, people want to do good.
0: Yeah, yeah. When crisis happens, people want to do good. And so, Rob Cernick, um, encourage people to check out your classes. And again, what's the website they can look at?
1: Well, you can check us out at jackshardwareandfarmsupply.com or just Jack's Farm Supply. We're the old uh, ace on the corner of... 22nd in franklin in the beautiful seward neighborhood in south minneapolis right across from pizza luce and seward cafe and all that good beautiful stuff on franklin avenue so we'd love to see you laura we're gonna have a block party actually in may oh. the weekend after mother's day on saturday we're gonna have a uh, some music and a little garage sale and all of that stuff so we hope that mm. uh, your listeners come out and join us for that too and that information is all going to be on our website so
0: well, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to be talking with Michael Cheney with Project Sweetie Pie and about the dawning, the green dawn about to emerge because we're going to make it emerge. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Let me tell you
2: what I know.
1: Hey, Jude, don't make it. Take a sad song and
3: make it better. Remember to Welcome to
0: Food Freedom Radio. Roll. I'm Laura Headline, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person seeking resiliency in uncertain times. And I'm uh, very happy to have uh, Michael Cheney joining us again from Project Sweetie Pie. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio.
2: Welcome. It's always a pleasure to have a great conversation, as we always do, Laura, whenever I'm on your show.
0: Yeah, it's always fun. So let's start with a poem. You want to Read one of your poems.
2: Well, you know, um, I'm the founder, executive director of Project Sweetie Pie, and so I would be remiss if I didn't bring to your listening audience kind of my opening salvo. North Minneapolis is going green. Give us a call and learn what we mean. Where once lie urban blight now sits luscious garden sites, gardens without borders, classrooms without walls, architects of our own destinies, access to food, justice for all. And now, like sweet potato vines, our missions and goals all intertwine. And then I'll just quickly segue uh, from that, Laura, to a piece that um, I wrote some time ago uh, in response to Glasgow and the um, work that was done on global warming, climate change, because we can't just talk about food as an isolated kind of singular approach. Uh, We have to really think about urban farming and uh, local food production as part of the tools in our toolbox. So this is a piece that I call the fork in the road. I'm afraid the world doesn't stand a glimmer of, no, not even a small sliver of a chance. Unfortunately for our children and their children's children, Life as we've grown to know it at this rate will never, ever last if we don't step up and embrace the obvious, the monumental task of correcting the egregious mistakes and blatant disparities of our troubled past. The ultimate question we're all being essentially asked is how much longer can the planet seriously last when our rhetoric and our subsequent actions clearly clash? If we're not even willing as human beings global inhabitants to clean up our own pathetic act cop 26 quit wasting time and let's get down to earth get down get down with it global solutions the power it is in our hands
0: so a lot there. And um, I was so happy when I went to this event on Monday, and we're going to hear more about that. And you've got another big event coming up on May twenty first, So we can talk about that. But that first poem I was, that you read that you've been saying a long time, a lot of the young people in the audience were also reciting it right back, this potato vines. What does the potato vines, what does that recommend? What does that point to?
2: Well, you know, we know that if you plant a cucumber or if you plant sweet potatoes, you know that ultimately that it becomes a large kind of, interrelated, integrated system. And so that's really what I'm referring to, that so many of us out here are, you know, um, many of us are operating in silos, working in isolation, thinking that we have to be the ones to be the first one to the North Pole and come up with all the answers and all the solutions, when quite frankly, it's clear that the uh, if we're going to address this existential threat called global warming, climate change, that we must approach it from many di- a myriad of directions, and that all of us must come to the table and help row the boat ashore. And through COP 26, those of you who may or may not know that is the whole the event that happened in Scotland about bringing addressing global lo- global. Um, warming solutions, and so their sustainable development goals that they have uh, really are kind of the the playbook, if you will, where we come together as large corporations, small corporations, for-profit venues, non-profit venues, uh, institutions of higher learning, and that we all come together as communities the way i say that with project sweetie pie is the story of a community that came together worked together for the common good of the youth and families of its community for it takes a village to raise a child that's what's exciting about this whole effort and cop 26 in the un's world uh, blueprint for action is is that no no one of us um has arrogant and narcissistic as we may think we are or as bright a bulb as we think we are that since this is a global phenomena and we've been seeing you know uh, climate um, uh, things going on from drought to ocean rise that all over the globe uh, these events are happening increasingly increasingly Uh, numbers. And so if we're really going to address global warming, we can't just let it be the purview of the educated elite, but that we must bring everybody and get everybody a seat at the table. And that's what we're trying to do, find real solutions for real people and bring them into this conversation so that we can find solutions. You know, strangely enough...
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't interrupt. Um, uh, it's always different to be on the phone than in person. So hopefully soon we can be in person again. But but so there was this event on Monday. And so one of the purposes was to lift up. So there was so many different groups. I wanted to make sure we gave a shout out to the different types of groups, everything from vegan by nature to entrepreneurs. And, and so tell us a little bit or lift up those peoples that were present at uh, Monday's event.
2: Well, y- Lori, you're talking about the Green Dawn, and it was kind of a movement, if you will, a new, a new horizon, a new arising, a new renaissance, where we're bringing, you know, everybody to the table in whatever special skills and talents. So, so we had folks there and that supported and sponsored that event, Hennepin County, and I know you're going to be having. Uh, them on the show today. They have been a very strong supporter of us. They have a Green Partners uh, grant of which we were recipients of to do our work on our um, Celestial Garden, which is uh, going to be a a food force in North Minneapolis. We had fellows like Darius Collins, who is a food entrepreneur who has uh, developed a um, barbecue sauce called Rasta Teas. And I and loved it.
0: I bought it. I absolutely adored it. And I, I he had such a powerful voice. I'm definitely going to have to have him on the, the show because it is well, a really good sauce and, and it's just awesome. Awesome.
2: Yeah, well, not only is he a entrepreneur, but he also is a very talented musician and artist. So how do we, I think that you'll see, I'm seeing more and more artists and people actually crossing over and not just seeing that they are a musician or a lyricist, but they're using their art as a platform to promote, you know, uh, unity, uh, collaboration and addressing hunger solutions. So Darius not only is got his food line of Rasta teas, which is barbecue sauce, but he also has gummy bears, and he's tied it to a campaign to address um, a million uh, dinners and a million gardens. And so people are really starting to very creatively address global warming and climate change and all the food insecurity, food justice, climate justice, social justice um, are all one if you really look at it. And so folks are have come together and brought all of their skills, all of their voice to this project. So I'm very thankful to You know, 10 years ago, what we were trying to do around food justice, you know, we could have certainly been arrested for uh, because it was one thing to grow food, but really to have the audacity to think that poor people ought to be allowed to grow food and also sell it to as a way and a means to help support their families. So we fought policy and we continue to try to bring. As, you, as your stay, uh, station so eloquently puts it, planting the seeds of change.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, and so also there was a lot of students in, in the room, and I did want to briefly share a story uh, from my own life. Is I remember seeing someone in a hotel and I'm like, God, you look familiar to me, and I couldn't quite place it or place the person. And then I went to sleep on it, and when I woke up in the morning, I realized this was a teacher I had when I was maybe 13 or 14, and i thought about how that one interaction i had with this wonderful art thing affected the affected my entire life i mean i don't think i would have, i don't think i'd be here today if i didn't as the at the age of 13 get involved in that youth support system and that's the same thing that project sweetie pie was doing and that was so cool to be in that room with so many young people
2: exactly this is it's young people laura you and i you know uh you know we're we're, our careers, our aspirations are, you know, we have an uh, expiration date, who knows when that is or where that is, but I know you'll continue to be a food fighter and a champion. And so it's not a, enough just to be doing good work as an individual, as an agency, but we really have to be about incorporating the young people who are the next generation of food fighters leaders and so we were glad to work with uh, pyc which was the uh agency there so we staged the blue, uh, green dawn at the capri theater uh we want to create a um a, a annual or a, a monthly event that brings young artists to the table to uh, bring their messages give them voice And so, again, uh, uh, folks from the T-Cult to the Northside Roaring Lions, uh, organizations like Growing North Minneapolis were some of the sponsors, uh, the um, solar scenes. We all came together um, because we know that uh, our work has to be carried on, has to be transferred, has to be uh, creating, uh, grafting young generations of young people to help support in this effort so that it can be resilient and it can continue to go forward.
0: And some of the things that I heard from these young people, like one person, um, they they were giving some presentation and she said, everything begins with a thought. What do you think she meant by that, Michael?
2: Well, interesting enough, I think that she's given voice to to the way that I actually move through the world. I mean, as I started off this program today with a poem, that poem begins with something in my soul that is addressing whether or not it's food justice or social justice, you know, I always start off with a poem, with a thought, with a poem that kind of gives, guides me, directs me. I reach to my ancestors to try to really give me, guide me. And I think that we don't give enough credit to you know the divine, like I like you call it, divinely inspired, divinely acquired. I lay no claim to the work that I do. That I am just an agent of change, and that um, I am uh, transferring that knowledge, that information. So everything, every, every product, every movement, every effort that is ever scientific improvement, all as that young lady so brilliantly articulated, that everything starts with an inspiration, a thought you know, that then is germinated, watered, cared for, and then broadcast around the planet. And so that's why it's so important that we bring young people who are going to be the inheritors of the earth, right, that we bring them into this movement so that they can share their efforts. So our all these efforts with these schools and that are, we're bringing these young people in to help craft the Celestial Garden. Our initiative is called Shared Fruit. And so we want these young people to design and lead us, not the adults leading, but we want the community to be youth-led, youth-fed, and that we're giving them practical experience so that they can be given give voice to their ideas, but also be willing to share them with the broader world and lead us. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, oftentimes that's hard for us as adults to, you know, because we've been trained to be, you know, I remember when I was a kid, it was uh, youth, kids are to be seen, but not heard. Mm -hmm. Well, that's clearly not my philosophy or the philosophy of Project Sweetie Pie or the work that we're doing with the university. We want community-led, community-fed, youth-led, youth-fed stimulus to really help craft this future. Uh, To that end, I'd like to read this quick little quote that another young person at the Green Dawn, a student at PYC, wrote as he did some of his opening remarks. As long as climate change is a Democratic-Republican's issue, we are in trouble. There's no real timetable for anyone on this earth. To deny science is purely unacceptable. If we don't take care of our earth, it will be destroyed because of corporate greed. What we have to do is to see it for what it is. As long as the benefits of ignoring the obvious is bringing in billions of dollars to big businesses every year, our enemy is ignorance. In the end, it's just human nature. This is a democracy, but let's not forget about influence. A Yale study found that we spend 5.6 trillion on fossil fuel subsidies alone in the year 2020. According to Forbes, it will take 50 trillion to end climate change over a 20 year period. I'm not that much of a math guy myself, but even I know that 5 trillion a year alone on fossil fuel subsidies would be the amount we need to stay on pace with the plan to have climate change for good but until this is a popular statistic we will only get worse and the enablers pockets will only get fatter while life on earth will continue to get shorter it's up to us as the youth to educate and execute for generations to come so we're sharing the stage we're sharing the mic we're bringing people who have been left out of the environmental movement and we're trying to urge them to come with down-to-earth practices like um these forums that we're staging, the forum that we're going to stage on May 21st, the environmental green zone, environmental summit. We want to bring everyday people to this conversation so that they can come up with creative solutions to global Global warming. Climate Unfortunately,
0: Michael, we're going to have to say goodbye here soon, and we're going to have so we have time to talk with Hennepin County. But I wanted to make a couple comments. One is we've got to get our own show one time. But I, another sentence that one of the students said is, "Can we live in our subconscious with love in our hearts?" And you hmm. talk about those vines and how we how we live with that hearts uh, the hearts in our subconscious and that how we um, you know wake up to a different way of being in the world that incorp that, that is humble to the nature and to other
2: uh, life? Right. right How do we do, how do we humanize the environmental movement and realize that we're all environmentalists whether or not we know it or not. we're either good stewards or poor stewards. We want to educate, inform, inspire people to be uh, to help us in this struggle to, uh, the, uh, and save a planet in peril. Well, um, Michael, I, there, there's,
0: I, there's never enough time to talk with you. I'm going to do another shout out for the Green Zone Environmental Summit, which is going to be Saturday, May 21st. So we can get that. Um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with John e- Evans, the assistant director of Hennepin County Environmental and Energy Department. Thank you so much, Michael Cheney with Project Sweetie Pie.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person seeking resiliency in uh, uncertain times. And we had fun conversations with Rob Cernick um, and Michael Cheney with Project Sweetie Pry. And now joining us by phone is John Evans. He's the Assistant Director for Hennepin County Environment and Energy Department. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio.
3: Uh, hi, Laura.
0: Thanks for having me on. Thanks. So uh, well, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
3: Um, Well, I've been with Hennepin County for about 24 years. Um, I've always worked in the environment and energy department um, with a special emphasis on um, Brownfield's cleanup. But now I also oversee um, the county's uh, natural resource operations, our forestry work, um, our contamination cleanup efforts. And I also um, participated um, in creating the uh, Climate Action Plan, the county um, approved in 2021.
0: Yeah, and I did, I did uh, look over that climate action plan, and uh, our listeners can go online and read it. Um, where would they find that uh, climate action plan?
3: Uh, if they go to the Hennepin County website, which is www.hennepin.us, and then uh, do a search on climate action, um, there's a, then that'll take you to our climate action page, and they can pull up a plan or, or see a summary of what we're talking about.
0: And so I know there's there's so much there, and um, I've started this show. Keep talking about resilience because it can feel so daunting these times. And so, um, how how do we find resilience with all of the issues we're facing right now?
3: Yeah, well, I think um, you know, and one of the things that the, the plan highlights too is is that you know, kind of beyond resilience, um, you know, all residents of the county will be experiencing um, the. Adverse impacts on climate change, but not all residents will be experiencing it uh, equally. And a lot of the residents that are already suffering from disparities in health and employment, et cetera, um, you know, maybe also experiencing climate act, climate change um, to a greater degree, even though they contribute less to the the, the problems that cr- are creating climate action. Um, you know, things like uh, people living in the areas most affected by the urban heat island effect, air quality, um, and just, um, limitations on availability of fresh food. So, um, you know, I think a, a few, um, you know, the County has a fairly, um, you know, ambitious goals of becoming net zero, um, by, um, 2050. And, um, to do that, it's, uh, going to take the, um, the collaboration with all our residents, um, but one of the thing areas that we're promoting um, through our plan is is um, we have a, a goal of planting a million trees in the county by 2030, and that's not just county staff planting trees; it's really engaging all res- residents um, in this effort. Um, you know, trees um, provide a myriad of benefits. Uh, you know, they improve air quality. They provide shading that can counteract the urban heat island effect. Um, and and so we're 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 embarking on an effort just to raise awareness of um, among of the value of trees um, through through outreach efforts and, and through events.
0: So I think most people probably listening to the show know about the heat island effect, but um, tell describe what is that? Because I, I know dealing with the heat island effect is one of the fun fun, fun foundational strategies of Hennepin County. So what does that mean?
3: Uh, well, it's 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 kind of a it's an effect that really is prevalent throughout all major cities. Where, as you approach the uh, the core of a city, um, you have a greater concentration of buildings, impermeable surfaces, surfaces and unfortunately, uh, a lack of a, a decrease in vegetation, especially trees. And so, what you have is you have a um, a density of surfaces that reflect heat back. Uh, into the atmosphere, and the net result is, is that uh, the temperature and humidity in the core areas of cities, um, particularly in the summertime, can be significantly higher than outlying areas. That And that can obviously lead to heat stress um, and a variety of health issues.
0: And we're losing our urban forest.
3: Right. You know, and when I when we talk about a million-tree goal, Um, Unfortunately, due to the effects of emerald ash borer, that's really just allowing us to break even there because there's, you know, there's over a million ash trees in Hennepin County alone, and and most of those will die from emerald ash borer. So um, we really need to be proactive in replacing those trees and where we can improving the canopy.
0: And so let's talk about practical things people can do in their home. And so there's a lot on um, protecting natural resources and people can go to like cleanwatermn.org. Um, so what, what are the what are the main um, ones that um, you recommend people do?
3: Um, well, I'm, I'm going to um, sound like a broken record here um, for the first part of it, but um, part of it is plant plant a tree. It's one of the most impactful ways that um, residents can participate actively in promoting climate action. And as part of the plan, we want to um, make this an interactive exercise. We want to know when residents plant trees and to the extent they're willing where they plant them. And, um, you know, I think we're going to be working on put, getting together an interactive website um, to promote that. But, you know, in the meantime, if you're planting a tree in Hennepin County, um, email us at trees at Hennepin.us and we'll add it to the list. Um, you know, other ways, you um, really to be impactful is just uh, to increase your recycling and and to eliminate food waste. Uh, you know, when we do trash sorts, food waste makes up 20% of the trash. And um, you know, so, so reducing food waste um, is really an impactful way for residents to participate as well.
0: And so, uh, so these let's take that picture of what are the foundational strategies? Because one is preventing food waste and diverting that organic material,
3: right? Um, and then, um, in addition to that, um, you know, as I kind of touched on, it's strengthening individual and community resilience. Recognizing that, um, you know, we can mitigate the effects of climate change, but to a certain extent, like we're already experiencing in terms of precipitation. Um, Climate change is already happening and the adverse effects from it are ongoing. So we need to also focus on creating creating uh, or improving the resilience of communities to um, respond to climate change um, events. Um, We want to cut greenhouse gases from transportation. Um, Transportation emissions amount to a a little bit over, well, actually about 44 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions in Hennepin County. And that's something that we need help from all residents on, um, thinking about, you know, I, I guess getting, getting back to impactful things that residents can do. Um, one of the most impactful things that residents can do is to just drive less. Or um, if you have to drive, you know, if it's within your means, look at, um, you know, electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles, or taking pub- public transit. Um, Another thing that um, we're working towards, one of our foundational strategies is transitioning to renewable energy sources and reducing energy use overall. Um, And then, um,
0: And then I don't know if we left, but another one was the uh, designing the infrastructure. And one of the little details I right. saw that is like how to build, build building codes where we have net zero in our buildings and, you know, putting that out as an aspiration, but to to actually make that part of the building codes.
3: Right. And again, um, you know, Hennepin County doesn't really have zoning authority, but we do have a, um, a big uh, role to play in being an inner, uh, uh, a convener and influencer in that area. And so part of our strategies is to really work with our municipal partners and the state of Minnesota to um, update the building codes to really promote greater energy efficiency. And then on a smaller level, working with residents to improve um, energy efficiency as well. Um, you know, another foundational strategy too is to um, build and maintain green infrastructure and, and you know, working on sequestering uh, carbon. Um, you know, and again, uh, obviously, tree planting, um, community gardening, um, installation of native plants, and sustainable landscapes are all ways of improving um, the carbon sequestration uh, uh, potential for the land. I think one of the big efforts that the county also is engaged in is we uh, preserve permanently uh, natural resources through the use of uh, conservation easements, and you know that locks up the Uh, the carbon sequestration potential of these natural resource-rich areas um, permanently
0: and uh, Metro Blooms was at the event with Michael Cheney on, on Monday, and they have a nice little display where you can actually pull out the length of the roots. So you look at trees. Of course, trees have very long roots, and so plants, um, and some plants have very long roots, and those are better at capturing carbon than short roots. And then you could pull out how much, you know, their Kentucky, green, uh, t- Kentucky bluegrass, uh, t- traditional grass and yards. Is that a smart strategy to have... Um, Monoculture yards.
3: Uh, well, no, I you know I think um, you know I think it, and especially uh, species like turf, um, you know, it, it just takes a lot more work to maintain those yards. It also, um, you know, if you're mowing your yard, um, you're using energy, you're um, putting emissions from however you're mowing your lawn into the uh, environment, and so you know, focusing on Native species like um, prairie species of grasses um, that require a lot less maintenance, a lot less watering, um, is a really great strategy. Um, you know, the county recently installed about five miles of um, little blue stem native grass along a, a highway median uh, in the, the north uh, west suburbs um, with that intent purpose.
0: And so planting a bee lawn um, and permeable paving um, um, and not using pesticides are all things that are more environmentally um, wise.
3: Right, exactly. And and we, um, through our uh, work, we're, we're promoting those activities. Um, in some cases, um, we can fund that work. Uh, we work periodically with Metro Blooms on installing uh, things like community rain gardens um, to capture stormwater before it goes um, untreated into the stormwater sewer.
0: And then um, some of the other broader efforts. So we have talked a little bit about urban farming, reforestation, um, also green workforce development.
3: Right. Um, you know, I think um, what we're seeing through our work is, is that, um, you know, for example, with, with green infrastructure and planting trees, um those are n- not always so expensive to install, but they uh, are can be expensive to maintain, and sometimes that's a major barrier to that. And also, um, two, it's uh, maintaining those structures are are great entry points into um, careers in the environmental and natural resources field. So, um, in an effort to promote that, um, we've got a couple of different pilot programs that we're launching. One is going to be uh, a youth and young adult focused tree planting um, program where we're targeting uh, tax forfeited lots as well as other county owned and and properties owned by other entities as a way of training youth in planting and maintaining trees, um, preparing them ideally for uh, either careers in commercial forestry or uh, in the greater natural resources world. Um, We've also got a pilot program that we're partnering with the U of M extension um, where we're um, taking a couple of tax forfeited lots and um, working with um, youth that are in the the Metro 4-H program to to plant these um, vacant lots for urban agriculture purposes and harvest the food and provide that to local food banks.
0: Well, we're down to our last 30 seconds. So uh, tell people where they can learn more uh, about all the efforts going on at Hennepin County.
3: Uh, sure. Uh, it's uh, www.hennepin.us and then search on climate action, uh, trees and forestry, or natural resources.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, John Evans, the Assistant Director for Hennepin County Environment and Energy Department. Also, thanks to Michael Cheney and Rob Cernick for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the Progressive Voice. It's it good over here.